Jay right in your face. Welcome back to the Fade Away Podcast. I'm your host, Fatty, and alongside me today. You know what? I, I keep doing a bad job of remembering, but uh, I guess this one, uh, Jose Grant. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, no, not really. That was awful. No, no. It was no, weak? No. You, got, you got to prepare next time. Okay, fine. Fine, next time I'll have one I'll have one ready. But welcome back, Show ladies back. and gentlemen, to episode number twenty seven. Uh my favorite number, but I'm not really sure off the top who even wears that in the league. The only person that I know that wears number twenty seven is you. Yeah, yeah. It's always born on the twenty seventh. That's why there's yeah. literally no other reason. <laughs> but uh but yeah, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh today we uncover part six of The Last Dance, the Jordan documentary that's uh, streaming on ESPN and Netflix uh, currently, the source of entertainment for all basketball fiends like ourselves. And uh, this episode is kind of cool because I feel like we're now taking a turn from Michael being this godlike figure to the development of the, what's the word, the villain role, I guess. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Is that what we want to go with? It's kind of interesting. Um, I don't want to sound like too much of, I guess, a nerd. But uh, it's kind of like how, you know, like I'm, any business student has been introduced to the product life cycle. You know, how you like a, it goes from, you know, development, you release it on the market, it grows, and then it doesn't, and then it starts to plateau, and then negative growth. You start selling it for a discount, and then it's off the market. It kind of works the same way with athletes, right? They kind of they enter the league. They're young, they build their reputation, and then obviously only the stars get to a point where their their reputation and their popularity and their fame is built so high that they're put on a pedestal. And yeah. it's nice to be you know looked at uh, as the hero for a bit, and then the more people love you, the more there are other people who are trying to break you down as well. And then that's what you see, and then you become a, a villain, and then there's always a resurging story somehow. So... We've seen that with Kobe. We've seen it with LeBron in more recent years. Um, and those are the, I guess those were the two Kevin biggest Durant. stars in the league. Kevin Durant, exactly. Big time. So, so you, it's kind of the same story for every single, you know, star athlete in the NBA. I'm, I'm sure the same, it works the same way in other leagues as well. Um, but yeah, that's what we're seeing right now from, with MJ and MJ, MJ opens up this episode and the whole theme of the episode is, Kind of how crappy it is to be like Mike. Yeah. Yeah, right? no kidding. And they make a movie called Like Mike, too. And the whole idea is we want to be just like Mike and play just like Mike and have a crossover just like Mike. But the reality is, do you want to not be able to walk around in public just like Mike? Do yeah. you want to, you know, have every one of your moves, which we're going to talk about again in this episode? Do you want to have everything that you do, even off the court, be documented and talked about by complete strangers just like Mike? Yeah. So there's there's that whole aspect of it, and it's crazy. They show the footage of him leaving the elevator uh, in the morning, and then coming back at night, and every single step of the way, he's ambushed. It's not even like one yeah. or two people. It's like media with microphones in your face. And there was one scene where he's like, he's walking off the court after a game, and somebody just mauls his head. He like like rubs his head. Yeah. Like who does that? Like, can you imagine it's, you're it's just insane. walking in the mall and somebody just rubs your head? Like, what the hell? <laughs> And there's also that picture um, during that whole all those those cuts of the tapes of the media and people following him. There's that one picture at the end where he's center court 
and all the media are literally around him and he's got no room to breathe. Yeah. Like, I don't even want to be that close to people I like. No, you know what no I mean? that like, is craziness. It's, it's too much. And, uh, and you know, you kind of end up feeling bad for, you end up feeling bad for MJ, you know, especially when he's talking about, you know, he's like, see this room, like this, this confined hotel room, this is like the only peace I get. This is the only alone time I get. This is the only chance I have, like, to basically to breathe. Yeah. And, and, and you know, he he's arguably was one of the most popular or was the most popular person on the planet during the 90s. And he was an icon. He was the face of, you know, you know, America was the face of sports, was the face of fashion, was the face of so many different things. And you think that would give you so much happiness, but you see you know, MJ is like, yo, like I can't even live my life anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually funny. Cause that's sort of where this episode is heading because obviously being Michael Jordan, everything that you do is in a microscope, but also we know that one of his biggest, you know, most profound traits as a player, as an athlete is his competitive spirit. Right. Mm-hmm. And Michael competes over everything as far as even like how far you can spit, like, you know, it goes yeah. from throwing coins against your security guys uh, at a wall. Who gives, the, who gives him the shrug? Who gives him the little shrug? <laughs> uh, all the way up until winning NBA championships. So I mean, it's yeah. uh, it's pretty wild. And then obviously, you know, Phil Jackson talks a lot about this, and you were just saying this as well in the beginning. But once you reach a certain pinnacle, the nature of the human of humanity, unfortunately, is mm-hmm. how do we bring this person down? How do yeah. we? You know, take them off their high horse. I mean, back then, obviously, because of, you know, the lack of social media presence in comparison to today, um, the magnitude of it, it, maybe it takes a bit longer for things to come out. It's a little bit more complex in the way that they do come out. Uh, But, I mean, just the fact that, you know, everything happens to come out. And then the biggest event at the time is our favorite guy from the documentary, Sam Smith. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> who, uh, for some reason, I don't know, when they showed old footage of him, he looked normal, but now he can't yeah. stop smiling. It's like, oh, like he's just evil now that I know what he did. But he, I, uh, I don't like him anymore. No, yeah, no. he uh, that's 100%. And he put together this book called The Jordan Rules. And mm-hmm. uh, this, according to the, like this headline, I know you're going to love, but I saw this headline on The Ringer from two yeah. years ago. The Jordan Rules was the mother of all Woj bombs. <laughs> that was actually really good. That was that was the uh that was the headline for that uh for that article but yeah. The Jordan Rules ladies and gentlemen pretty much is a book that was put together by this reporter Sam Smith who works for the Chicago Tribune. So ironic right. coming from the local station, you'd think you know the local station has their back, they're supportive, all that stuff. Nope. But this individual comes out with a book and this book is pretty much just a like play by play off like what what Michael Jordan does and doesn't do off the court like conversations that he has and and it's very negative like it, it puts a, mm-hmm. a negative light on Jordan and this is somebody that you know we were talking about this through the first few episodes was almost like you know they called him black Jesus he was yeah. he was this immaculate figure who could do no wrong who could be no wrong and then he you come out with this book and well you know his teammates don't like him he you know, he does this, he does that. And I actually have a little excerpt here from the book. Nice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read here. So it's November 1990. Michael Jordan and the Bulls on the bumpy road to their first NBA title arrive in Oakland to play the Warriors. They learn that the Lakers' James Worthy was arrested for hiring two prostitutes. You'd think he'd have been tired of being double teamed by now, one of the Bulls' jokes. 
That night, the Bulls lose to the underdog Warriors. Jordan gets just 12 shots. As a result, he thinks of the triangle offense that Coach Phil Jackson has used to take some of his points and redistribute them to other players. Jordan calls the process demichaelization. He kicked the chair when he came into the locker room, Smith writes. I hope they keep playing you that way, Don Nelson, the Warriors coach, says to Jordan. At a club that night, Jordan seethes with embarrassment. I hate when I have to read that in the papers in the next day that I couldn't do something. He tells another player. The next day I practice in Seattle, Jordan shows up, Jackson, by refusing to take more than a shot or two. Michael wouldn't say a word to anyone, Horace Grant says. So that's a little uh, little excerpt. That's like two paragraphs from one of the pages of this book. And obviously not a positive life for Michael to be in, obviously. You know, he talks openly about he didn't like when Phil was coming in because he was taking the ball out of my hands. And, yeah. you know, he says that now. I'm not sure in the moment that he was saying that. So for this to come out and, you know, maybe it wasn't known that he had issues with Phil because obviously, you know, without the social media presence, you don't really get that feel. And then uh, I wanted to ask you as well about there There were little excerpts in there about Jerry Krause, too. Yeah, I, I think Phil had mentioned in the documentary that Jerry Krause had 25 I think excerpts, you know, highlighted, you know, uh, highlighted, and he wanted to read them to, to Phil. But I mean, even in the documentary, we see MJ openly joking and making fun of Jerry Krause. So even from, uh, you know, someone who didn't know, you know, MJ's career back then, you see it in the documentary right in front of your face. But you know, a lot of the things that you just said in from from the book, and a lot of things that are said in the book, you know, those things are kind of behind the curtain things that happen in locker rooms probably every single day. You know what I mean? I think it was just more so that MJ was this huge figure and he was he was portrayed so positively. You got like you got like Mike, you got you got Gatorade, you've got the McDonald's Michael Jordan. Yeah. You've got the the silhouette of you know of, of MJ in the Jordan brand. Like you've got so MJ, you know, pictured so positively that, you know, him getting into fights with his, with his teammates. That probably happens five to ten times a season for every single team. You know, and we just don't know. We just don't see it. Mm-hmm. And I think this was... I don't was, know if they're punching each other five to ten times a year, though. I don't think, yeah, I don't think they're punching each other 100%. Definitely, and, definitely you know, getting in each other's faces, though. Yeah. I, I'm right. I'm not going to condone punching. That's a bit too extreme. And, you know, teams suspend oh, usually yeah. their players for that. Which, not even which about think, condoning. I just mean in general, I feel like... The like, because he punched Will Purdue and he punched Steve Kerr, and I feel like those are two escalated one-off situations. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, if every practice they're getting in each other's faces. Like we would do that in open basketball runs, and knowing his comp- competitive skills and what he wants to accomplish, I don't doubt for a second that if somebody messes up in practice, they're gonna get a mouthful. Like that's just the way it works with these great players. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. It, it, to me, it's something that's you know it's something you might have to sacrifice to win. Like it's, it's almost a normal thing. Like you, you can't always be the nice guy. You can't always be nice. You you need someone there to push your team. You need someone there to be hard on your team. And that's what MJ was. And, you know, I, I obviously haven't read the books. So I don't know the details of everything that happens behind the scenes. But honestly, if, if that same book were to come today about Kobe, about LeBron James, I don't think it would be taken as negatively because now we've seen so much of it. We've seen so many locker room fights. We've seen so many, you know, players only meetings and, and, and beefs between GMs and players and, 
and everything like that. Like, like it's at the end of the day, it's still a workplace. You know what I mean? Like, you know, there's been, I bet you there's been so many times where people, you know, get to fight with their managers. Oh, you know, that happens, right? Like it's still a workplace. You still have people to deal with. Right. So what I think it was more so that it just gave everybody an excuse to, you know, poke at MJ and then bring him and tug on his cape a little bit, bring him down to, you know, a normal person's level uh, and, and, and make him, it made him seem human, which is like, yo, like he's human. What do you want? What else For do you sure. want from this guy? Now, there were some comments that were made by Jordan that actually caused the backlash in, you know, daily life. So I'll start with one guy, Craig Hodges. So Craig Hodges was, uh, I believe he was a two-time or three-time All-Star, but he won two champion. Or sorry, he won two championships and he won the All-Star three-point contest yeah, three times. Three times, three times. Yeah, but he he was you know a, a pretty reputable player. He did well. He was in the team, uh, but we actually realized that he's not interviewed. So yeah, the reason why he became uh, popular the last couple of days is he went on the Odd Couple with Chris Broussard and uh, who's the other guy Rod Rod, Rod something. Ah, uh, he's my guy. I should know. Rod Parker? Uh, Rod Parker. Rod Parker. Rod yeah. Parker. There you go. Yeah. So yeah. he yeah. So he was on the Odd Couple with uh, with Chris and Rob, and he was pretty much talking about. You know, a few of the things that bothered him about the documentary. The first thing, yeah. obviously, the the fact that Jordan called it a cocaine circus. Yeah. Uh, because he was on that team, and he's saying a lot of guys who are getting ready to watch with their families are now right. stuck having to explain to their 12-year-old kids, you know, I didn't do this, or your dad was not a part of this, whether he, you know, he was or was not. Was or wasn't, yeah. Uh, just puts them in a weird position. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm I'm okay with that. I mean, it's TV. And this is this is what happens when you when you put out something like this that you know oh let's take a look back at behind the scenes and things yeah. that happened Tony this is gonna happen people are gonna be upset people are gonna not gonna and not at the end of the day like he didn't see. like he didn't yeah he said everybody but he didn't really like narrow down to anybody in specific he didn't so. say names yeah he didn't say so there's there's that the aspect of it but Craig Hodges was not having it with him uh, for that remark and then on top of that yesterday or um, not yesterday this this weekend when the episodes came out. Uh, so it was originally blamed or not blamed, but it was mentioned that Horace Grant was actually right. the one who had given Sam Smith a lot of the info for the book because they had a really good relationship. And obviously yeah. this stuff is coming from inside the locker room. There's only one way to get that stuff and it's from somebody on the inside. So, yeah. uh, Horace b- himself believes it was a scapegoat move. Yeah. Uh, but in the end, Michael in the documentary said, I wasn't actually doing anything. It was all Horace. And uh, and Craig Hodges didn't like that comment either. He's like, why are you blaming, you know, why are you going out and saying that it was Horace? It couldn't have just been Horace. BJ Armstrong said it couldn't have just been Horace. You know, yeah. Horace is not going to sit down and give all this information. There's, and he's not everywhere either. So there's there's got to be even I, I for for like I definitely believe that Michael gave some information, whether he like, you know, was sitting down and, and understood that he was giving information at that time. I don't know. Uh, but mm-hmm. there's definitely anything that he could have said in conversation with Sam Smith. He's a reporter. He's going to twist it and take yeah. it and, and, and run with it, right? So it came from any, everyone on that team. So he, he sort of, you know, didn't like that about it. But I want to I want to hear your side of it. Do you see anything wrong in what in what Jordan is doing? Is he, is he blaming? Should he not have said it? Where do you stand on that? I don't think I don't think he should have blamed Horace, especially if there's no concrete evidence on that, especially in – you know, to put it out in the documentary saying it's Horace, you know, like kind of almost like exposing Horace, but you're not, you're not even sure if it was him. Um, where, what I think is that, 
you know, you see in in the tapes that Sam has like back, like I don't know, I guess backstage access. You want to say or locker room access to, to the team. He's there when they're chilling. You, you you don't think he hears a funny remark that MJ might say or somebody else might say? Obviously, he hears that stuff. So it's not even so much about who told him. He's there for practices. He sees what's going on, anyways, right? So it's not it's not necessarily that oh somebody from the team had to have told him. Obviously, there are some private things that must have been said to him by someone from the team. But, but I bet you the majority is just something that Sam saw himself because he's been on around that team for so for so so much and so long. And then when it comes down to um, blaming Horace, I think Horace was a scapegoat. And you know what's actually interesting? I don't know if anybody really noticed. I don't know if you noticed. The episode starts with them playing against yeah. the Orlando Magic. Mm-hmm. And then and you see Horace on the other side, right? And you're like, oh, like Horace got traded or he moved teams. And they kind of work backwards to see, I bet you that's how it happened, right? Mm-hmm. MJ didn't want Horace around that team anymore probably didn't re-sign him or they traded him away to the, to the, to the Magic. Yeah, and right? again, so we're that, guessing. We didn't watch ahead. I just want to Right, clarify. right. Yeah, I'm just, I, that's my, my... The first thing when I see Horace, that's how I think after the episode, right? And, you know, it sucks if that is the case because that could almost, you know, him going to Orlando could have ruined his career. You don't know, right? Yeah, well, it was also so, rumored that he... He felt slighted. He was in the shadow of Jordan. Right, he, right, right. He, this, this, and that. But, I mean, again, I don't know anything about it, and we're going to learn much more, I'm sure, in the coming episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but an interesting point. But I um, I actually looked into why Craig Hodges was not a part of the, the documentary mm-hmm. because he was kind of upset about it. And I don't know if this is confirmed or not, but uh, back in 1991, uh, I think you heard this as well in the interview I sent you yesterday, but – when they won and they went to the White House, yeah. and he pulled somebody aside at the White House and uh, he made a comment, or I, I think what he talked about in the interview is a bit different, but he, he pulled somebody aside at the White House and made a comment about, I believe there was some a white-on-black crime that was going on, and he had tried to get Jordan and Magic prior to the finals to boycott the finals, uh, yeah. just to make a statement, you know, stand together. Um, so there was a lot of issues around that, and he sort of found his way out of the league and a lot of guys like this happened to Sharif Abdurrahim as well. And yeah, a lot of guys yeah. who spe- spoke up against, you know, justice in that time were exiled out of the NBA. And yeah. a lot of these guys, magic Jordan. Uh, yeah. They have a great image, but they probably had to, you know, really not like, I don't want to say like be somebody's B, but for the, like they couldn't really speak their mind. They couldn't speak on different issues. They couldn't, you know, have yeah. the control and autonomy that players have today. You know, and we were talking about that in terms of, like, demanding a trade versus, you know, just getting better. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see players didn't really have that much freedom at that point. Even Michael Jordan himself, like, he was asked to – the whole thing with uh, with Harvey, right? And he was asked to, to you know, whatever. Uh, yeah. To, like to endorse, him. endorse him. But, you know, it's not like today where LeBron's voice, can he can come out and say, you know, I endorse him. Because back then, you endorse him, you risk – Losing your losing white everything. fans, you know, a lot of a lot of white yeah. supporters m- might not like that, you know, and it's it's tough and it makes him look selfish. But I understand every every aspect of it. You got to think of your brand and your image, and and you know, do what's best for you ultimately. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was another thing. Craig uh, Hodges was upset. At. He was just upset at everything. He mentioned yeah. that he was salty <laughs> that he didn't get interviewed. So I ha- I'm guessing, you know, that had a part of it, uh, yeah. part of to do with it. So that that was sort of the Craig Hodges. Uh, Horace Graham blame circle there. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, amidst all of that, you know, you're, that's in the that Jordan book, the Jordan rules came out. I believe it was uh, after the 1992 season or into 93 season, and you know, regardless of what was going on off the court, MJ was still dominating on the court, um, and that was, you know, David Aldridge mentions it. He's like, everybody in the legend category, the Larrys, the Isaiah Thomas, the Magics, they won two straight. They've all won back to back. But none of them had three-peated, right? And that's how MJ would essentially get himself into his own category and become the Mount Rushmore basketball, right? Um, so the documentary goes through the, a little bit about their 93 season. And in the playoffs, they match up in the conference finals against the Knicks. And that Knicks team was essentially the bad boys, the bad boy Pistons reincarnated, right? Physical, mm-hmm. tough tough team, tough to beat. Um, they love to, you know, really hurt you, really, really, you know, be physical and defend you in a way where if you want to go to the basket, then you are really going to feel it. Mm-hmm. And the big thing about this series is Knicks take a 2-0 lead in that series, and it's found out that Michael Jordan was, before game two, the night before, I think it was, at... He was at Atlantic City gambling at a casino mm-hmm. until 2 a.m. In, in the morning. Yep. Now, this opens up a whole flurry of different, you know, accusations or whatever it may be. You know, at face value for me, if if I've got a player who was at, who's at a casino until 2 a.m. in the morning, the night before a playoff game, I have to question their commitment or the serious, seriousness of the team. Obviously, Michael Jordan is a different level. Like... This guy, there's been reports like him, like getting two hours of sleep during the Olympics, and like still being able to function, still able to, still being able to dominate, right? So mm-hmm. he's a different breed. But you know, I want to know what you think about you know all the media backlash, all the right. you know the allegations against him and everything. All this, all the all, basically the media created a huge uproar about that right. one specific night. Right, and and I acknowledge that what I'm going to say now is. Obviously, more thought out, and I think if if last year, for example, we're in the finals and we lose game two, and I found out that Lowry was in the casino, I'd probably be pissed. You know, yeah, I'd probably yeah. be very, very pissed. But f- when you actually look at it from a like a you know reality perspective, that these guys are just you know human beings. He goes, my dad just told me we want to get out. We want to get yeah. out of the city and go in and and do something that we enjoy doing. Now, there's two sides of this because. A lot of people were talking about the side of the gambling, the addiction, the problem, the distraction, the lack of commitment, whatever. Why I don't think that that's the situation is because I don't think that he's addicted to gambling. And a lot of people don't really understand that and they don't really fathom how much money that these guys really have. Yeah. So initially when we were watching it and they talked about the the, so he was gambling with his boy Slim Buller and he Mm -hmm. had a checkout for him for $57,000. Bro, to the average person, fifty-seven thousand, like damn, like that's that'll help me pay off my OSAP loan and yeah. and then some. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah. I'll take fifty-seven thousand any day. But what we're not understanding is these guys make more than that on a per game basis. Right. So, for Michael Jordan to give up sixty thousand dollars in a gambling debt, that's not like people think about that and they're like, oh my gosh, he's got a gambling addiction. He's gonna go down the drain. He's gonna, you know, this, this, that. And he even said that in the interview with Ahmad Rashad. He goes. Man, like, if I had an addiction, I wouldn't have a family. Like, I'd be falling apart. I wouldn't be in front of you. My house would be, my family would be, and, you know, everything would be off. 
And I completely, 100% agree. I think that this was just something that, you know, he was taking his mind off things. It was very unfortunate that they ended up losing that game. But you're losing, like, this is this is unacceptable. He won the championship in 91 and 92. He's coming off a repeat. So at this point, we understand what this guy is about. It's not like he's never won a championship before. So he, and for us to, to question this, like, it's game two. You know, game three comes and they actually win game three, but he did pretty awful. Uh, statistically, it was even 22, 11, and 8, but he shot 3 of 18. Damn. Uh, so, game 3 was not the best for him, but, man, game 4. Game 4 was the his his uh, his breakout game. Mm-hmm. I believe game 4 is when he had the 54. Dang. Yep, he had 54 points, uh, 18 of 30, 60% from the field. So, he shot out in game 4. They ended up tying that series, and then we all obviously know – you know, the rest is history. They had a right. huge defensive stop at the end of game five yeah. in New York. Uh, Jordan had 29, 14, and 10. So nice. a triple-double on your head. <laughs> uh, and then to end the series, game six, where is he at? Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, 25 points, nine assists. There you go. So, I mean, he showed out, and he, he let everybody know, you know, this is who I am. I'm yeah. going to be fine. And – the part where it really hit me is when Phil Jackson was talking about it. He's like, I went and talked to him about it. He says, man, like, you think being out to, like, 1231 is going to affect my basketball? Like, who do you think I am? Like, that, and the fact that we're doubting Michael's preparation for the playoffs, that is, I think, the part that really blew my mind after, a re- like, they repeated and they had a great regular season. And yeah. they're one step away from the finals again. And then we're, we're going to question his commitment or his, you know, ability to show out I, I think it was just disrespectful mm-hmm. but that being said i would have felt the same way if one of my own yeah. guys and in the that. moment in the moment the media makes it way bigger than it needs to be and honestly the move that he pulled you know just not talking to the media anymore like honestly like that's a very fair move because the media is already like up his ass about him like in general you know yeah when yeah when he's not looked poorly in the uh, in the media now they're going to come out and ask you and like badger you about these stupid questions about you being a gambler and he's doing interviews about him being addicted to gambling and whatever it may be and he's like yo like get the hell off me man like what else do you want from me bro i bring you championships i'm bringing you awards i'm doing all this stuff yeah and it's, his and dad it, too made that remark or yeah the, the yeah comments. exactly and, and he's and it's not like he's like going broke and he and when he eventually two weeks later he speaks um, in his first interview with Ahmad Rashad, and he's like, yo, like, if I had a gambling problem, like, my wife would leave me. Like, I'd lose my house. I'd lose, like, this watch. I'd be begging to sell it. And he's like, no, like, he's good for all the money, and he's making bare money, too. So, you know, yeah. it's not, and, and when he gambles, it's uh, it, it's not like it's, it's bringing him into some crazy debt. Like, he's gambling on yeah, golf he's games. gambling on his golf ga- his own golf bro, games. He's gambling on, like, th- tossing coins at a, at a wall. Like, he just likes competition. Like, I get that that might be a problem in itself as well, but like, I don't think that I think obviously the media is is blowing out blowing of blowing out of proportion, correct? And you going know, for the and, headlines for sure, and going for the yeah, and going for the headlines. And at the end of the day, that's the media's job, right? Um, but after that series, what a year, though. yeah, what a year after that series, it takes us to the nineteen ninety three NBA Finals where he's up against the Phoenix Suns and Charles Barkley wins the MVP of the regular season that year. And, you know, MJ admits that he's upset that he didn't get the MVP award. And it was Barkley over him. Um, I, I assume that's kind of like a narrative thing as well. Kind of, how, kind of how we see it 
today, you know, every MVP every year can go to LeBron James. But that just gets boring at that point. So I imagine that's the same thing that happened um, in 93. And mm-hmm. the key thing, I guess, you know, there's a few key points from the series I want to take. You know, Kraus loves uh, Dan Marley. <laughs> He's, you Classic. know, like a, uh, uh, you know, a nice, you know, defender. He believes that Kraus loves Dan Marley's defense. So MJ obviously says, Kraus likes you. Okay. You know, I need to prove that. It's it's funny that he needs to prove that this guy is not on the same level as him. Like, can you like like imagine that? Like, this guy loves him so much, he and he thinks he's such a great defender that he thinks he can guard yeah. you. And then he's like, "Yo, I'll say less. I'll go at him every single time." And that's what he did. And he just just, just dominated. Him. Yeah, yeah. Game one, he came out thirty-one points, seven rebounds, five assists. Yeah, shot fifty percent from the field. So I mean, it was smooth sailing. Mm-hmm. And this is in Phoenix as well. Yeah. Uh, so game two, he comes out forty-two points, twelve rebounds, nine assists. So that's the first two. The first two games, Horace had a pretty big uh, game two, twenty-four and eight. So oh wow, huge! Ten of thirteen from the field. Yep. So he was pretty good. Game three uh, goes then, into triple overtime. Yeah. 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 Actually, game two as well. Scotty had a triple double: fifteen, twelve, and twelve. <laughs> These guys are team. underrated. That's, man. that's a like, wild team, bro. Underrated, man, for sure. And then. Yeah, goes to triple overtime. Uh, Dan Marley had 28 that game. Barkley oh, had 20, okay. 24, 19, and 4. I think they still uh, lost. Kevin Johnson had 25. No, they took game three and triple they overtime. Took okay, took game three. Uh, Michael had 44, 9, and yeah. 6. What, what, one other thing that I love the most Scotty, is... Scotty, 26, 10, and 9. That's another streak. This guy's actually really good, man. Scotty Pippen's really good. <laughs> Bro, I mean, he gets... He gets his his credit in the NBA, like he's top fifty players of all time. He got that award, like he he, he gets a bunch. But I just think that when when you're in play next to Michael, like who do you think is gonna get all the credit? Like let's say, yeah. MJ's MJ. But what I love most about that, uh, you know, that segment on that that Sun series is Charles Buckley for one of the games. Like I played as best as I could, as hard as I could, and Michael just like Michael Jordan just outplayed me. That was like, game the, two. The first time ever, I thought that there was somebody better at me than better yeah, than me in basketball. I'm like, that's tough to admit, bro. A hundred percent, especially for Charles Barkley, that the kind of player that he is. Yeah. And then game four, uh, Michael and the Bulls come back and they win that one because they had lost game three. And then right. Barkley had 30, 32, 12, and ten Damn. in that game. Charles Barkley, but uh, not not a match for MJ, who had right. fifty five points, no. eight rebounds, four assists. Come on now. Uh, Scotty, 14, 10, and 6, another near triple double. Yeah. Horace Grant, 17, and 16. Like, these guys are talented guys, man. And they're a good uh, team, man. F- they play well together. Yeah. Game five, this is when uh, the infamous Charles quote came out yeah. with uh, What do you got to tell the fans? Get that shit off your windows. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need it today. They win. They I'd win be so game. hyped to be that fan base to trash talk him after. I know exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, but they they pull it off. They pull off the win, and then the Bulls are forced to go back to Phoenix for Game Six. And what I love is that MJ is like goes and talks to the team. He's like, "Listen," because back then the the playoff series was two three two. Yes. Right. So you they play two. At, I guess whoever so whoever has the home court advantage, they would get the first two games, and then they would go to the next team's home court for three, and then back to the original. For two more home, uh, two more games, so yep. they had to go back to Phoenix for Game Six. And MJ's like, "Yo, listen, guys, I'm packing one suit. 
we're playing this one game, we're winning this series, and we're coming back home. We, yeah, we're not we're not going to play two games. That's some boss ass moves, bro. Like yeah, like close he literally out game. calls it. He calls yep. it. Close out game, thirty three eight and seven. Yeah, Scotty right behind him, twenty three twelve and five. Uh, Scotty's great, man. This is, I think, this is. Um, <laughs> I know I'm discovering a lot about MJ, but man, Scotty is Scotty a, too. a hooper. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a crazy build too. Like he's a big boy, man. He's got the long arms. He's big. He's big. He's tall. Six. What is six? Seven, yeah. Six, eight. Like he's huge. Yo, um, Michael. I just want to look at the series averages here because what the hell is Michael Jordan saying right now? Points per game. Where are you? He averaged forty-one, nine and six in that series. Scotty averaged twenty one nine and eight. He almost had a like, triple double. Damn, that that is a, a great 20. second option to have, man. Yeah, for sure. That's why he's the best second option of all time. He, and this this is team, him offensively. We're not even looking at the defensive intensity that he brings to the game. Twenty one nine and seven offensively. We know he can be a one option on any single team and still be a Hall of Famer, right? Yeah. Like, so it's crazy to have him as a two. But what I yeah. wanted to just make light of, I guess, the one of the last points we'll make is MJ winning that third ring did not look like him winning that first and second one. No. You know, in the first and second one, you see, there's, like, he does the same thing in both. He literally runs to the hallway on the way to the locker room, and he's, like, he's hopping and, and, and skipping to the locker room, getting a towel, getting the champagne, whatever. This one, you don't really see that. Right, you see how exhausted. Kind of exhausted he is. You see how tired he is mentally, physically, and you know, even in that Ahmad Rashad interview, he hints at retiring that year. They say he says, you know, maybe one day when I go out, the only bad thing you'll know about me is that I might have had a gambling problem. Ahmad goes, could that be as soon as this year? He's like, it could be, and yeah. that's literally what you see. Like you see how the media pushed him out of the game, right? And and honestly, like that just made me compare. I, I just kind of got reminded of LeBron and like LeBron is one of the most scrutinized athletes of all time even more than MJ just because of the available media outlets that are now today and this dude's been to eight straight finals or nine straight finals and he's lost a bunch and he gets you know scrutinized every single day and this guy still is playing yeah the, and right. that's kind of well, that's what I wanted to end it with is a question to you like Obviously, we, you know, Jordan's pressure from the media was a lot, and it drove him out of the league one time. Yeah. And then he left again after, you know, he seemed to me like, I don't want to say he's a quitter, but it seemed to me like when things got too hectic, uh, he just left the game. And yeah, he left it the first time, he left it the second time. But then we look at LeBron and the longevity of his career and his, like, you want to talk about scrutiny. Like, there was a period of time where even the media was praising Michael. And I think. LeBron since day one Never has been getting that. heavily scrutinized. Has been right. he- heavily scrutinized for everything that he's done. Even though he's an exemplary individual, you know, a great father, a great man, mm-hmm. a great basketball player. Mm-hmm. You know what he's done, charitable deeds. You know, you name it. Like you can go on and on about LeBron and. He's never, you know, left the game or, or yeah. hung it up because, you know, he's never had the like. Sorry, not the audacity. He's never had the luxury <laughs> of being coached by Phil Jackson. He's never had the the luxury of even being coached by a Phil Jackson esque yeah. coach. Yeah, you know. And then for Michael to say, "I'm not going to play under any other coach," and then leave. You leave when you're you're the All Star MVP. Like I do have a little bit of beef with that. I mean. We can unpack that all later when we have more details about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just an interesting thing to see. Like, wh- where do you stand on that? I guess it's it's kind of like a different type of mental toughness. You know, LeBron, honestly, LeBron gets scrutinized for his mental toughness because, you know, he can't take the last shot 
or he's he's scared of taking free throws right. or whatever. Bro, this dude gets dookied on every single day for 15 years by you guys who don't know how to play a lick of basketball. And he has never cheated. He's never, like, the game. He's never, you know, you know, he's never cut corners. He's never sold himself short. He's never done anything like that. And he's still playing at an incredibly high level today. Like, I think that's just another level of mental toughness that I don't think is brought up enough. And, you know, he, he deserves a lot, a lot, a lot of credit for that one. Yeah, absolutely. So shout out to LeBron, shout out to Mike, and uh, that's it for episode six. So we'll come back next week when seven and eight come out. And uh, ladies and gents, keep the questions coming to our DMs, and we'll be happy to 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 answer them for you. And uh, I guess bye for now, ladies and gents. Peace.